Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Robbie and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from October 25th, 2020. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's official edition of the Faith Church podcast. This episode will feature significantly fewer hijinks than typical episodes, as this week, you guys get the treat of the two thinky contemplatives (laughs) on staff. Oh, that was such a thinky word you used. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to mix it up. I went with a very non-thinky word like thinky, and then rounded it out with contemplative, so... Um, we are not without humor, Jeff. No, we are not. It's just much more reserved <laughs> than other members of staff, I think. Well, the word hijinks captured it. You so can be too. humorous without hijinks. I think, I I certainly <laughs> think so. Others might not agree, but I agree with that completely. But we can't hear them right now, you know? That's true. That's true. They don't have microphones. <laughs> no. But we do. And let's use them wisely, shall we? Let's do it. So um, I am Robbie, and with me this time is Jeff Clossy, and I am thoroughly enjoying, or looking forward to, rather, enjoying this discussion, um, because I thought that you really did a fantastic job this last Sunday. Thank you. I, man, I was very excited to teach on this topic. It's something that the Lord and uh, others have emphasized, like helped me with in my own life. Um, But I also have to admit that I came in um, concerned that it would come across the way I really hoped, like and intended it to be. Hmm. I feel like whenever we talk about sin, uh, there can be a tendency in each one of us to either shell up, like kind of be defensive or feel like the person talking about it thinks that they are immune to it. Yes. And I, that is like the last thing I think about myself and uh, I would not want to ever heap shame or guilt upon anybody because I have been on the receiving end of that and it's not helpful actually. So yeah, I'm excited for, for beginning. I think it's a good conversation as a church to begin and, I'm pumped for your sermon this weekend, uh, the next section in Colossians 3, put the put on section. Um, it's neat to me that we took multiple weeks on this. Well, and I appreciate that I get to be good cop for once. <laughs> so you, after you roughed everybody up this last week, I get to come in and be like, hey, that other guy's, that other guy's tough. I want to be your buddy. Here's, here's what I want to say to encourage you. Um, now, actually, if you if you listened to Jeff's sermon, you realize that that was compassionately communicated. It's one of the things that I appreciate so much about uh, just you as a person, but also your communication style is you're exactly the right person to communicate that message because um, because you aren't coming from a place of condemnation or a place of having it all figured out and why can't you be like me? You're coming from a place of uh, of of humble recognition. I appreciated that it, it started kind of with a confession of you, you wrestling with it yourself and, yes. and that it was heavy for you. Um, it, it, it is a big topic, this idea of, of, of putting sin to death in 
our hearts and in our lives. Um, and I, I love that you, you gave us the why and then you also gave us some practicals. Um, but you also know that we're under a time constraint whenever we communicate that. And sometimes we get these big ideas and only a few minutes to really unpack it. Um, what What is something that if you had more time, you wish you could have spent a little more time unpacking? Hmm. That's a great question and very true, by the way. This was one where I had uh, a lot of ideas. Jess, my wife Jess, asked me during the week, how's it going prepping? And I said, the problem is I just have so much yeah. um, that has come to mind. Yeah. So one of them that I, I would have liked to be able to spend more time on, I did touch on, but it's the idea that God in his wisdom and love and grace has chosen to involve us in very practical ways in this process of putting sin to death. Hmm. And I talked about that with the analogy of the farmer. So when a farmer, say he has a field um, and he's expecting corn to come up out of that field during you know the proper time for that to happen around here, but nothing comes up, um, you'd start to wonder, did he plant? Um, right. did, he, did he do the things you need to do to a field to make that happen? But you would never assume that he was the one who should have caused it to grow. The farmer doesn't cause that. But his role is really important in, in that crop. And uh, that, that idea for me at one point um, was really transformational. It was a new idea. There's something about the way I had understood God's grace that excluded my own action and participation in growth mm. in general, but especially mm. putting off sin. So I think that's one I'd like to underscore and especially emphasize that this is an ongoing process that we're involved in. Typically, it's not something that's an instantaneous thing. So if you took um, the sin of anger or the sin of impurity or greed, now it can happen this way, but typically it does not, that God just zaps you and you no longer lie and you no longer get angry and you no longer are greedy. I have had instances where people in my life that has happened, but not normally. Normally what happens is God brings it to mind and brings his spirit, brings some sort of conviction that, well, this needs to be dealt with in my life. This is not bringing me life. It's not bringing others life. It's not honoring to God. And then we work with him on it and hmm. he transforms us. Um, Dallas Willard, an author who I like a lot, he talked. To, he talks about how we don't really have rec we have records of Jesus um, healing people of all sorts of diseases and physical ailments. We have records of him even raising the dead. We have records of him casting out demons, but nowhere that I'm aware of in the gospels um, that I've ever noticed, does he walk up to someone and heal them of being a liar. And I think that's instructive that typically the way God, again, in his wisdom and love chooses to rid us of these things and uh, renew us is to involve us in it. Hmm. I think I think that's so so important, and I think it's important to address that in in that tension that you bring up of, you know, God's sovereignty, what He's responsible for, and my effort and what I'm responsible for. Uh, I, I think I wonder if part of the problem is how often we we either think it's all one or all the other, or we mix the two up. And, and we expect God to do what he has asked of us. Hmm. And we try to take control over what only he can do. Yes, right? that's true. Which leads to a lot of defeat and frustration. 
that's the thing. If without an understanding of that, of the process of it, it's super discouraging and disheartening. And, and just over the years in ministry, interacting with people over their sins, um, say impurity. So if I'm, if I'm working with, with a guy, a friend, and we're trying to deal with that, and he comes back to me week after week and says, I'm so disappointed that God hasn't removed my desire for that from my life. He hasn't changed my desire. If he's waiting on God to zap him and, and just remove it, that is going to be really disappointing because that's typically not what happens. But if he thinks this is going to be an ongoing process, I shouldn't be surprised that I still am struggling with whatever it is. And there's hope. God's with me in that. He's not surprised by that. That totally changes how we deal with this. Hmm. So in, in that instance, if when when that person comes to you and says, I'm, I'm struggling with this thing, could, could you articulate what, what aspect of that is, belongs to God and what aspect of that belongs to him? How would you define, if we, if we say like, it's important to get those things correct to understand, mm-hmm. um, the zap isn't normative. Nope. Right. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but it, yeah, but cause that's, it does. That's not normative. Um, so in this kind of dance this tension of God's sovereignty and my responsibility. How do you help that person understand this is this is God's portion, this is your responsibility in this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, first it's acknowledging that uh, we will need to, uh, scripture says, make every effort. Yes. And uh, yeah. every effort. Um, goodness. I think even just acknowledging that, that it's going to take effort is really significant. I'm now what, as what, you say that, I'm wondering, can you can you think of any aspect of following Jesus that does not require grace driven effort on our part? No. No. I mean, even think about um prayer. So say you want to grow in prayer. Yeah. That takes a lot of work. It does. And it's a similar dynamic though, like who's the one that answers the prayer? Like we ask, right? We come before God, we ask, we hear from him. He meets us in prayer, but we don't have control over outcomes. Right. So I think that's part of what I would say. The dynamic is when killing a sin, we need to depend upon God, I think, to give us insights into what's going on. Like what are going to be the things for us that will be most helpful? Um, like I gave the example with lust or impurity of turning off the faucet of the ideas and images that are flowing into our life, uh, turning off the things that we know this is going to bring about or entice me to do what I know I, I don't want to do anymore. And I think even though that feels like it's just us putting action in and thinking, that actually requires God's spirit. He will He will give us insight. He will give us creativity and, again, conviction and motivation to actually turn the faucet off. Yeah. But yeah. in the end, it's most of the commands that I can think of right now in this passage, it's, um, you are being renewed, which is like a passive thing. It's like, it's being done to me. Um, in Romans 12, it says be transformed again. That's a passive command. It's something that you position yourself for like a cup cannot fill itself. If you looked at a cup and said, fill yourself, you it can't, but if you put a cup under, a water faucet, it will be filled. 
So I, in a in a crude sense, what we're trying to do is put ourselves like that cup under the water mm. faucet of God's grace, so His life is flowing. Um, a, a similar illustration I've heard, and I think it might actually you can correct me. I think this it's actually Willard who who talks about raising the sail, mm. and that I I put that effort into actually raising the sail, but I have zero control out of the wind. If yeah. I don't put the effort into raising the sail, when the wind comes, I will not move. Yeah, that's really but, good. But but that that effort of of raising the sail means I am I am prepared to catch the wind and be carried by it when when the the Holy Spirit, which Jesus Himself describes as like a wind, um, blows through and is and is able to move us. So would you would you say if I'm understanding if I'm hearing you correctly would you say it's accurate to say he you you mentioned he brings the conviction in the first place right so he's the one who stirs in my heart this is not good this is keeping me from from greater intimacy with him or loving others so he brings that initial conviction he enables and empowers my effort yes and then he guides and determines the outcome he does so there is still a lot of his sovereignty at work in there. So to say it requires my effort is not to negate his sovereignty. It's my my grace-driven effort requires that. However, I I must be an active participant in that. I must be intentionally trying to put that sin to death. Yes, it it and if it doesn't get put to death, it's like the farmer who didn't plant the field. Hmm. You know, and I know it can be stark and that can be actually a little discouraging. <laughs> but it's the way I see it now is it, it brings me a lot of hope when I realize that for whatever the thing is that I, I need to deal with. If it's still prevalent in my life, um, I don't get to blame God. I don't get to use God as an excuse for, for that. And the, the really neat thing is that means he's right there ready. He's right there with every resource I need to put these things to death. I mean, part of it, I That's think, good. is like a misunderstanding of what grace is. Like, hmm, how so? Grace, um, like as if grace and effort are contradictory in yeah. some ways, right? <laughs> right. Yep. So, grace is grace and earning are opposed, but not grace and effort, because effort is action and earning is attitude. So, grace is required for us yeah. to to do any. That was Willard, by the way. That you could have taken credit for. No, that. I can't though. But uh, <laughs> you know, you could. You'd be lying in bed at night, going, "I should have said that was Willard." Yes, uh, but we we need to make that distinction in our minds. That's a really important one, um, because in order for us to do anything at all, require anything at all moving towards Jesus requires His grace and His movement, His power, His initiative in our souls. And, and then we move forward in that, like, you know, burning mm. fuel almost. Like the grace is the fuel that we're, the energy, the power that's moving us forward. Another author, mm. by the way, that I would highly recommend is Jerry Bridges. Um, he, yes. He Good is just at a really pivotal time in my life. Uh, his book, The Discipline of Grace, was given to me uh, by a mentor and it was life changing and shaping. And, uh, I highly recommend him. He writes in a very clear, straightforward way. Um, yeah, he's a good one on this topic. I think that's, uh, that's a great recommendation. And, And I think it's a really important distinction that you just made there. I think that's really helpful to, to differentiate between effort and earning. The opposite of grace is not effort. It is earning in, in much the same way that 
discipline is not the same thing as legalism, hmm. right? We'll, we'll dismiss effort in saying, well, no, I believe in grace, not effort. Well, that, those aren't, that's, those things go together. Those aren't, those aren't the opposite of one another. Or we'll say, why well, I, I think putting that kind of effort in is wrong to have those disciplines, to have those habits, to put up those safeguards, because that's legalism. No, actually, legalism is believing that that I earn God's satisfaction by the things that I do. Um, so legalism is the opposite of grace because legalism believes that I can earn God's, God's love. Yes. Um, grace and effort go together in the same way that grace and discipline go together. Effort and discipline are actually gifts of the Holy Spirit, that he's given us a spirit of self-discipline. Um, and and I think I I need to remind myself of that when I when I fall back into the trap of you know oh am I just am I creating all these unnecessary rules and a new law by setting up safeguards so that I don't constantly sin against God? No, like, that's me putting up the sail so that I'm so that I'm ready for that. Uh, on that note, what so so we, somebody somebody's agreeing with all these things that you're saying. They say yes, I get that. I'm ready to put in that effort. I want that kind of self-discipline. To, to walk in the abundant life, to be ready to receive what God has for me, what do I do? I only know how to do what I know how to do, and if I've been doing it wrong, then I only know how to do it wrong. So, Jeff, help me. <laughs> give me, give me specifics. A, that was a great statement. It's true, right? Oh, man, that makes me really think right away, we just need to say we really do need each other in this. Like the idea that if I'm doing it wrong, I only know how to do it wrong. Like we really need each other um, and this is an area where the only way I'm going to be able to be honest with another human being about the things that the sins that beset me is going to be because I understand the gospel of Jesus other and, and he's empowering that because otherwise talking about my sin with anyone else is just going to be a big shame fest and embarrassing. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy either way, but because of the gospel and God's grace, we actually can look at this stuff. Um, so what would you do? I mean, I think one step is to figure out what it is specifically that you, what, what sin right now is it that you need to address? And I wouldn't try to address everything in my life at one time. I mean, honestly, it's by God's grace that I think in my life and, and hopefully in most of our lives, we, we don't know the extent, the full extent of our brokenness, um, Absolutely. Usually we have one or two things that might come to mind as these are ones that I know I need to deal with and I would not be searching for more. I would just start with what comes to mind, spend some time praying and ask God, could you make it clear to me, Lord, over the next couple of days, what it is that you need me and want me to, um, to kill in my life? What sin is it? And get that before you very specifically rather than just the concept of sin. Because when you get specific, that's when you can actually start some very specific actions in your life to deal with it. Oh, that's, that is so important. So important. Atta trying to stop sin in theory is a fruitless effort. Yes. Like that will lead to nothing but frustration. But, but what a difference to say this, this sin in particular I, I want to see eradicated from my life. That's, that's really good, man. And it might even be like a specific occurrence of that sin, you know, like for some of us getting in the car behind the wheel is like the only time 
this impatience rears its head in a profound way. Mm. And so we might even say, like, I know for me, impatience and anger are, are things I need to deal with, for example. And then you start thinking, like, where do I normally see those things rear their heads? Where do they really come out? And so you might start even with, like, if it is the car, that's where, you know, okay, Lord, I need some ideas and talk with someone else in your life. What are some practical things that I could start to to try those means that we talked about vision intention and means um to deal with this i mean one thing i didn't get to really underscore again because of time but it was assumed in my thinking um was that all of these means that we talked about like i talked about getting in a longer line for dealing with impatience the, yeah. the whole point of that again it's like it's putting the the sail up in the wind like you described or putting the cup under the stream of water it's a way for us to align ourselves with Jesus and acknowledge his presence and experience him in our life. Really, that's what these things are Yes, over and over yeah, and over again. Yeah. They are means to experience his activity and power in our life. So part of, in my life, what really underscores all of that is a commitment to intentionally set aside time where I pray every day. And, uh, that prayer for me isn't just my list of requests, but it is it is an actual like communion, spending time with Jesus in his word, listening to his voice through his word, and then responding to him. And some of it's going to include just sitting, you know, but but that that's an assumption that I bring to it when I start talking about means. It's like we have, uh, we're hearing his voice every day. We're encountering him in his word every day. And these other things like getting in a longer line are ways that we also do that. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's very practical. You know, one tip too, um, that I think I know that I'm prone to that others listening might also be is that you don't want to be thinking about sin all the time. And I know that kind of sounds like a contradiction, but, right. um, if, if we get so s serious, which we need to get serious about, about obeying this command, we can actually um, inflame sin if we're just always focused on it. Um, and that's where I think part two of, of Colossians, this message for you next this week, Robbie, your, your sermon is going to be so important because becoming like Jesus, being renewed into his image, part of it is those old things go away, you know, increasingly in our life. Um, but that's not it. There's more to it than that. Absolutely, because if if something goes away, it it has to be replaced with something. Yes, right. It, it creates a vacuum that's going to be filled with something, and if it isn't filled with Christ, then it'll just be filled with another manifestation of my own selfishness or fear or anger. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I would argue you can't have you can't really have um, this last Sunday's message without next Sunday's message because you can't put off without putting on. You can't take off the old <laughs> without replacing it with something new. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're naked. Yes. Right? So <laughs> you're going to put something on and and being intentional about what you're, what you're putting on is, I think, so important. So to, if I could tease next Sunday's message a little bit, I think one of the things that we'll, we'll probably want to cover is the idea of not just stopping a thing, um, but replacing a thing. Yes. That there's there's an awesome, I think probably two hundred year old sermon by a Scottish pastor, 
uh, called The Expulsive Power of New Affections. Such an awesome, such I an love, awesome. I love that sermon. Verbal, like verbose title, right? You, you're we're familiar in, with that one? Yes, we're nerding out at the moment. Oh, you said yeah. this is the thinky right? podcast. Yes, I of love that sermon. Of course you have read that sermon. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so good. And, and, and essentially, the, the, if I could unfairly summarize it, for a guy who's way more brilliant and verbose than I am, um, it—it's this idea of our our heart, our soul is a is a vacuum, right? So I I can't just stop doing something because that va- it will that space will be filled, and and so the where the true power is is not in just stopping the bad thing, but replacing it with a greater thing. And that new love, that greater love—that's the expulsive power, right? That 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 new love, essentially squeezes out the other thing. So rather than just focusing on, oh, I have this impurity, how do I stop thinking, you know, impure thoughts? Well, goodness <laughs> gracious! Like yes. if I sit around thinking, how do I stop thinking these bad thoughts? All I'm thinking about is those bad thoughts, right? It's the old, you know, don't think about a purple elephant wearing a top hat right now. Like, good luck. Well, a picture of Jay just popped in my head when you said that. A purple elephant in a top hat? Jay, yeah. I just thought of Jay. It's really interesting. I don't know. That just popped in there. That is... Was that hijinks? Fat. We, might need to, we might need to dig into that a little bit. <laughs> the, it is... But, but to think... So to think... Right, the, the practical is, how do I think pure thoughts? Right? Yes. How do I fix my eyes on Christ? How do I set my eyes on things above? How do I fixate... On, on those things. And even literally just this morning, my Heavenly Father walked me through that process as I was feeling overwhelmed by certain things. And I'm just praying to God, like, God, will you please like calm my heart, calm my head. I can't stop thinking about this thing that is that is causing me, hmm. I mean, literally anxiety. And, and was just struck by his calm voice of saying, what's good in this? And I was like, huh, well... This is good, and this is good, and I'm thankful for this, and I'm really thankful that I have this person with me in this. I'm really thankful, like, and and the anxiety just dissipates. Like, I, I not because I managed to wrestle the anxiety into submission or I cast it out, but because I just became so thankful for the things that I could see God doing in this situation that I stopped thinking about that. Oh, that is such a great example. Of, of means as well, Robbie, because you didn't just go limp. <laughs> right. You didn't. And just go, God, take it from me. No. I mean, I, that's what I was asking. And then he goes, okay, here's how I can take it from you. Yes. Just do this. And I go, okay, I, I can do that. And then imagine that his suggestion works. And that interacting with our father who is here and present, man, that that instinct is something that needs to be honed in each one of us, that Okay, I have this issue. I'm feeling this way. I talk to God about it. He is here and ready. And he already knows, but the process of interacting with him over it brings freedom and healing like that. And that in and of itself requires practice. Yeah. That requires effort. That doesn't come naturally. No, that's... Thanks for sharing that. Thank you for last Sunday's sermon and for this I think very helpful discussion. I hope that it was helpful to our listeners. Uh, if you thought it was, we would love to hear that, and we would love to hear how it was helpful to you, because we would love to pray for you and and celebrate God's work in your heart and in your life. 
Um, if you have any questions as you are trying to walk in obedience in this thing, whether you are um, struggling with sin or, or, or struggling with what practically it looks like to, to see freedom from a particular sin in your life, please don't hesitate um, to email us or give us a call. Um, or if you just ever have general questions about a sermon or the Bible, we love having the opportunity to, um, to do our best to unpack that here on this podcast. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me this week. Hey, thank you, Robbie. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you.